2: Um, got beat two one by Brighton and the poor soul joining me who volunteered for this podcast. So I'm guessing Justin was on some sort of marijuana when
3: he did this. Is Justin well? How are you doing, Justin? No, unfortunately, it's just caffeine. Um, but uh, I mean, how am I doing? I mean, the bright side is at least the fixture. At least I don't have to watch a replay. Like uh, watching the second, you know. Watching a second Wolves game was, was unpleasant but required. And I'm glad I don't have to watch us play Brighton again because uh, they own us and we don't have to see them again this year. So, uh, you know, fare, fare thee well, Tony Bloom's men of mer, mer, merry band of men from the South Coast.
2: And please take our Europa Conference League spot. Um, Absolutely. Basically, basically. All the Euro, any, anything that starts with Europa, take it off us. Um, I do not want to see, like, Eastern European teams. Next season.
3: Um, or Thursday football.
2: <laughs> just, just like, even if it's a Premier League game on Thursday, just void it. I just don't no, like it. Yeah. Just give it away for free. free no. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I usually start with a starting 11s, but there wasn't really anything interesting about our team. Um, apart from maybe Elliot keeping his place on the left wing, which we'll get into as the game goes along. Cause he certainly improved in that role. Um, The only thing interesting from Brighton's team is that the Caicedo business obviously came into effect and he's obviously not in the team for them. Um, Didn't seem to... Well, it affected him in the first half, you'd say, but second half it didn't really. Um, Anything from either team you want to mention or should we just blow straight into the game?
3: I mean, I think it tells you what Deserby thinks about us if he's just going to sit there and play Pascal Gross and Alexis McAllister, both of whom are attack-minded you know, midfielders in a double pivot. Like he, he, doesn't think he didn't think we have much thought we had much threat going up the middle. And um, I actually think that he was wrong about that early in the game. I think we actually, you know, Gakpo connected play well. So I think that that was a, you know, a gamble that for Deserbi that, you know, look, it, it paid off. They got through, but it was one that I don't, you know, I think that he set up for that had a, a mixed impact on uh, at least the first half of the game, but otherwise, from, you know, from what both teams lined up to do, they, they, the other, actually, you know, the other thing that is shocking from them is that they did go with two up front with Ferguson and Welbeck because they typically yeah. do not play two up front. And I think that, uh, that was something also that, that, that changed the balance of the game a bit that it, into a manner that might've suited us a little bit, a little bit better early on, but, um. You know, other than that, there, there's no big surprises. Uh, we we were exactly unchanged. We were mostly unchanged, with the exception of Trent coming in for Milner.
2: Uh, yeah, I think I think that's probably interesting. Obviously, Trent. We 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 need Trent to be a star because we can't have Milner. Well, one, he can't play more than two games in quick succession, or three in the shops here at a short period of time, or whatever. Uh, and Trent's just a very key player for us. Um, but. We'll come on to Trent as we go along. You mentioned their team, or certainly their midfield, being maybe lacking defensively. And I think we did see that at the start. I think, obviously, three minutes I've got marked down here, we have a chance. It's the one where it's a bit scrambly in the box. I think it's... Uh, I can't remember who passes to Naby, but Nabby passes to Moore. And then it's a bit chaotic in the box. There's another breakaway. I think
3: it was Naby. The... Yeah, I can't remember who passed Nabby. I was thinking yeah. about the later chance.
2: Yeah, um, and then there's a Trent filthy pass. But uh, we do start the game quite well. Obviously, Brighton have the odd moment, but we we start quite well. And I think it seemed to stem from from our midfield. And obviously, I think a big criticism this year has been... Obviously, Moore's not performed to his best, but I think a big criticism is that we just don't get him involved in the game. And I think in that first... First half, but I'd say maybe the first thirty minutes. He—that's probably the most I've seen more involved in a game, possibly all season.
3: I think so. T- I think so too. I think it was just because we had better central interplay and overloaded their their the uh, center of the park on them, where we were able to at least try to slip him in behind a bit or get him into situations where, because we had such a central overload with Har- yes, Harvey Harvey was also coming very central. Gakpo was dropping deep, and you had. Uh, you know, our three midfielders all just basically occupying the center of the park and creating an overload there. We were able to isolate Mo against either a center back moving or a fullback. So we were able to do the things with him that we want to do where you put him into space and then let him either cut in and shoot or lay one, you know, lay one across. Um, You know, early on that, that chance that you speak about early Mo, uh, you know has – that ball? That ball's going in if Lewis Dunk doesn't clear it off the line, right? It's it's a very good defensive mm-hmm. play. But, you know, he started to at least show some threat. Now, I think the issue there is the moment he is a player playing without a ton of confidence and a player who also – because of, you know, both Harvey Elliott's lack of – Harvey Elliott and Cody Gekko's lack of pace, when he gets in behind, he has to hold the ball up, which is not his natural game. Like, Mo Salah is not a – you know – He's got decent hold up ability, but that's not a hold up striker, right? He's he's not going to play with his ass into a centre back and then lay it off, and that's unfortunately how he got used a bit early in the game, and I think that wasn't exactly effective.
2: Yeah, it was. It's a bit strange. I think Warvis is still trying to work out the attack. We well, we might as well redo our conversation we did before we started recording. I think a lot of people expected or maybe just wanted Darwin to play, and we basically said it's obviously for the it must be for the off ball stuff because we certainly worked better in terms of the press and but we do we do miss another Pacey player. Obviously we're missing uh, Diaz and Jota who I mean, Jota's not lightning quick but he's quite quick. Um and either of them can catch up with with more and obviously being in a similar space at the same time or certainly in the Up the pitch with him. Um, Whereas Cody, obviously he's playing in a new role for him and we'll obviously discuss discuss him as the game goes on. But Elliot, obviously a right winger who we're trying to turn into a midfield, now we're trying to turn into a left winger slash 10. I think it definitely worked better with Elliot today, but... It just doesn't look like a Liverpool attack, which has kind of been the story all season, I suppose. But yeah, what what did you make of Darwin not starting? I mean, we obviously had had this discussion already, but we'll do it for the podcast.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you can maybe... Look, I, I don't agree with the logic, but I think the logic probably is that regardless of what you think about Harvey Elliott's efficacy off the ball, there's a lot more activity from him off ball than Darwin Nunez, right? Darwin is not a particularly defensively engaged forward. He's not Holland where there's no defensive engagement. But the part of the weakness you have with Darwin when he's playing up the middle is that he doesn't really shut off the passing lane from center back to central midfield. Um, Gakpo does shut off that passing lane and does force you to play wide. And it just feels also if you are going to use Harvey in, and actually, I mean, obviously Mo's been doing this for years, but if you're going to use the two of them in the, in the front wide roles, it suits them a bit better than having to play down the middle because they can use the sideline to help them defensively. Whereas if you're playing up the middle, like you're a lot more exposed and you need to be a lot more active. Gakpo is a bigger man who, while he doesn't necessarily cover ground, you know, insanely quickly, he's not slow and he shuts that passive and he, Engages at smart times, so it makes sense to at least start Gakpo up the middle. But you're right; he does need that pace in behind. Um, Harvey Elliott playing as a left winger is is not going to be a natural fit. Um, I did think he was better there today yeah. than he was against uh, Chelsea, but like it's it's because of the fact that I think he understood how to move in field in a forward manner better. There is nothing that he is going to do to be able to hold with on the left, and it shut Robertson away from being able to uh, get anywhere near up the left flank. So we, we, I mean, we had, we had no width coming up the left. And I think if the more narrow you can make us on, you know, and this has been true of the clock uh, era in general, the more narrow you make us the less effective we are in attack because we are very, very predicated upon spreading teams. And then, you know, chaos comes from when they're unsettled and taken out of shape but we're we're allowing teams to stay in shape with with what we do right now anyway which is why the chance creation is not great are you that
1: person who has everything the coolest merch and those must have fan threads well over at our Anfield index shop we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
2: Yeah, it was very strange. I haven't noted this down, but it seemed a lot of our play was focused down the right. And obviously, we mentioned more getting more involved. I think Trent was more involved in a going-forward manner than um, than Robbo. But it seemed we were using Nabby as the out ball quite yeah. often instead of Tiago as well, which... It can make sense because I think Naby's obviously very capable on the ball as well. But he was—I think—he was certainly their pressing target. But normally we see, obviously, it's usually Van Dyke and we hit a diagonal. That's an option as well. Well, out of the midfielders, you just go Tiago's there. But that didn't seem to be the case at all today. I mean, you mentioned the lack of width. Do you think it was just there was better out balls on the right, which obviously we saw joy from at times with, with the number of chances we created in the first fifteen minutes.
3: There definitely were better out balls down the right. Uh, the, the thing I think that killed us and the thing that I think also neuters Trent a little bit is that the the long switch from him to get him being able to switch wings mm-hmm. isn't going to be on if Robertson is going to get pinned so far back. Uh, it, without that, And that long switch from Trent to Robertson has been a hallmark of our attacks for years. If we don't have that, we you know we are a lot more one-dimensional and we have to try to play slowly through the lines. Which quite frankly is not a thing that we've ever actually been good at.
2: Yeah, it's only quick counterattacks, you see that, isn't it? We never really do a Man City goal, do we? It's not it's no. not our it's not our thing.
3: Um, the only way we could do one is if we're actually playing against them.
2: <laughs> oh that's tr that is true. But I think that's always been the case with City. You play through yeah. if you are capable, you can play through them. Um but that was a few years ago when it was happy to talk about Liverpool. Um, we'll get back to the actual game. I, mean, I think this is where Brighton started to grow into way. I've got 14 minutes where we clear one off the line. Really well defended by Trent, to be far to him. I think it was Ferguson who had the shot. Um, Basatic then gets booked. Naby goes for a fly, and I think everyone thought he was going to be injured because, one, it's Naby, and two, he was about eight foot in the air and <laughs> uh, landed very uncomfortably. Um, and then 21, Brighton cutting through us at the time. Mitoma has a weak shot, but it was a really nice player. It was... I think it summarises us as a club at the minute. Oh, no disrespect to Brighton, because, well, they're a better team than us this season, clearly. Um, I think someone said they're beating us like 8-4 on aggregate this season or something like that. Um, maybe 10-4. But it's... Even with our midfield, that, I think that's our best midfield. I think we'll obviously come on to the- Unquestionably. Yes. Unquestionably. But they, they still cut through us at times at will. And <sighs> I don't know what else we can do. And obviously we'll come on to the subs and Fabinho, Jesus. Um, long stare for that poor blow. But it, <sighs> is this just a sign that Brighton have got better... We've obviously got worse, but I think Bright. I don't want to disrespect Brighton, but they look excellent at times. But it feels like that's the most unLiverpool thing ever as a team playing through us.
3: It's, actually, I think the way we play just suits how they play. Like they, they, we're, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet by the end of the season we'll probably finish with a higher points total with them because the higher, you know, the the output you can get out of at least our still very good players is probably better than the output you'll get out of their very good players, but mm-hmm. we'll finish. We'll probably finish with a higher points total than them, but we just all, so like, I, and, and like typically I tend to think that that's actually how I would evaluate a better team is just who's better against the entirety of the league that they're playing against rather than head to head. But we just suit how they play, right? Like we we try to be like, especially when we try to press because they have so many press resisted players who are good on the ball. And the way Deserby has structured them has given them the, uh, the you know the structure in a matter that allows them to play through us and create overloads in, in central areas, but then also quickly switch the ball out wide to create chances. Because um, every single time Kauru Matoma gets the ball, um, they, they seem to be completely in business. And make no mistake, their strategy was to get him on the ball as often as possible. And a lot of that just comes from Trying to get the ball into the middle and playing it quickly out wide rather than just you know playing it to a fullback and then trying to get Matomo you know down the line. Um, They're they're creating good angles for him to attack and that I think that really just suits them to suits them to a T against us because we allow those angles.
2: Talk about Matomo. Obviously sad today because he does things against us. But what what's Google saying? Two point six million. He cost. And I think they signed him either last January and then he stayed in Japan for a loan or something like that. I might be wrong in that.
3: Um, but Had to finish his thesis on dribbling. I, well, he'd certainly shown it today. <laughs> I, like, I,
2: This is more of a general question than a game, but why can't we do this? Why can't we find lads out of obscurity for two million? Like... Even our big like our is our biggest ever bargain, I think most people would say. Oh, even yeah. he was even he was in the Premier League. <laughs> he was still looking somewhat impressive at Hull. But picking out lads from the Japanese League, it's
3: like that's just crazy. like Brighton's so impressive in that. They are. He's in he's an exceptional footballer. That that guy needs to be playing Champions League football. Um, you know, I, I, he seems to always play down their left, so for you know, it wouldn't make a ton of sense for us to sign him as another left winger. But if he could play down the right, and we could get him at a reasonable price, you know, that could be a very good long-term Mo Salah replacement. Because um, you know, Mo is in his thirties, and we do have to think about when that time comes. But uh, I, I love that player. He, he's fantastic. Like he just—he's he, tactically pretty good in that you know he gets the ball like I said gets the ball at good angles and he's able to just cover so much ground and he seems to be just much faster with the ball at his feet than almost anybody I've seen us play against this season save maybe Kimara like that kind of dribbling winger is something that uh I really miss and uh get well soon Luis Diaz
2: Yes, please. Mind we like signing left wingers, so that, why not? Why not get another one? We'll make one of them a central midfielder. Uh, <laughs> looking at you, Gakpo. Uh, you move further down, you get deeper. Uh, but no, obviously you look at Brighton. I mean, Casado's the one I think everyone wants. Obviously, he's going to cost a bazillion pound. But if he's still at Brighton in the summer, maybe that's more negotiable. But pie in the sky stuff because we need a lot of midfielders on the. Uh, ad, Evidence of this season and today, but we'll come on that when the subs arrive. Um, where am I in my notes? Uh, oh, next up, more misses a one v one after nice play from ellie It was a lovely pass to be fair. We mentioned more getting more involved, but I think this is where we see the lack of confidence because I think in his link up play, I think it's still there. He obviously gets the assist in a minute as well, but. Moe in front of goal, I think he's second... I think this is Premier League stats, but I think he's second behind Darwin in terms of big chances missed. I. It's just not the same blow. And, and we have seen this at times. I think the centre-back season, he obviously went on a bit of a barren run Um, before we brought in the actual centre-backs again. But he does have this streak in him at times, but then he seems to explode. But the explosion doesn't seem to be coming.
3: It really doesn't. It, it seemed like it was... It... It came a little bit in the first half of the season, pre World Cup, right after Rangers, where he went on a where he went on a run, like you had him uh, destroy Spurs very quickly. But then since the World Cup, it just hasn't been there. Like his his two goals after the World Cup were one against Villa, and then you know one that's made off of an absolutely freak mistake by. Uh, a Wolves defender when he's in an offside position. But yes, like, yes, yes, yes. It's just, it just has not been. It has not been clicking. Like How many times are you used to seeing Mo get in that situation with the keeper rushing out, and instead of trying to place it in the corner, he just chips him, like just yeah. clips it over him, ball goes nicely into the center of the net. Like when, I think when a lot of strikers struggle, and I have no evidence of this because I've never played striker at, a, at an elite level, they try too hard to find the corners rather than just realize that the ball needs to go where the keeper isn't and in the net. And it looked like he was trying to just nestle that ball into the corner rather than uh, the instinctive type of, you know, chip it and we'll uh, figure out where the ball's going, you know, chip it and then uh, run back and celebrate. So, yeah, there's just something that's that's a bit off. And it's, you know, it's a combination of the fact that finishing is both very fickle. Strikers will run hot and cold and then they will – Go on streaks of bagging goals versus not, but uh, there is a linkage to confidence on that. I think you're completely correct. In front of the goal, he gets it. And he's just pressing to try to score. We've seen Darwin do that this season. We've seen Mo do that this season. That's why that mischance stat that you've cited comes up. And you know, for as much as the midfield is, ah, uh, and, and our tactical approach is ripped up, um, which you know, deservedly so. It, it it does make you wonder where we'd be uh, in the league and, you know, and, and actually in this FA Cup, if those two are taking the, you know, taking those chances with greater regularity, like they're not going to score all of them, but you'd like them to score more of them.
2: At least a quarter of them, too.
3: <laughs> I think like good- Good big chance finishing rates are considered like uh you know I think the to fi- to finishing the the big chance is defined as like a a thirty three percent chance of scoring like I think it's like yeah. a three point three five xg so you know scoring one in three is you know is considered average if you can get someplace between that and like a half a, a, a you know a half x you know one and two you're probably you're, you're you're comfortably outperforming that average but you know being well below it is a, is a bad place to be.
2: It really is. It really is. But it, The thing is, I think that it was promising in the fact, as I mentioned, we got more and more involved than in probably any time, especially post-World Cup, maybe except Villa where he did score. But it just when he gets there, it's just not there. But I think if we are going to run with this front three till either get, I think, Jota's the next one back, and then Darwin can just be... a chaos off the bench or if we find the right opponent we can just whack him in to run at people or run beyond people Um, at least that link up play was there because Elliot got more involved playing narrower Uh, more was running in behind rather than holding hands with the um, assistant referee and Gakpo first half he was involved maybe he wasn't always sparkling but no one is this season so I think there's at least something to build on
3: with the front three yeah, there is. And the Gak, you know, Gakpo did a, uh, like, and, and I'm not saying that he's remotely to the level of when he was doing this, but he looked like Bobby at least he used to look where he could drop deep, collect the ball and connect play. Right. That's what, that's what it's. And, and also at the same time, you know, provide some of the ball pressure that we've been sorely missing from our center forwards this season when Bobby hasn't played or Jota hasn't played. But uh, he he. At least at at the very least, it looked finally today like he got used to the pace of playing in English football. Um, and it was mm-hmm. the first game where he really at least seemed to not be completely at sea. Um, he didn't look to take any terrible shots on himself as well, which was something we saw against Chelsea. <laughs> so um, you know, he definitely just seemed to play a lot more within the flow of the game. And that's and that's you know that's what we need from him because if he's going to play in our if he's going to play is that. You know, deep false nine. Who's going to connect play? What you want from someone doing that is to be, you know, in sync with the pace of the game, and then allow themselves to manipulate that pace of that game. I think Gakpo did a reasonably good job of that today. He um, he showed you that he's got very good feet. Like he might he looks a little bit awkward sometimes running because, and I think that's just a, a byproduct of being six foot four. Um, because guys who are that big when they're running can look very awkward. But he, you know, the feet were good. He didn't, he used the ball economically and well. He tried to put people in good positions to, uh, you know, you know, he, he was good with working with overloads with Harvey and then trying to play that last pass into either Mo or then later on um, to, you know, people who had good positions to cross the ball or put put the ball through. But I thought it was, you know, I thought it was, if we're looking for a bright spot in that uh, that game that, you know, deteriorated rapidly uh i think Gakpo at least was that you know a reasonably bright spot because he looked to uh you know finally come to grips with what's being asked of him within the system but it's still going to come down to the fact that we if if we're going to play him giving him two runners that can come in behind will only make him more effective and I, i i can't see that this front three is something that I'd want to do for the long-term. And as soon as we get another forward back, I think you really have to consider, um, you know, Harvey is as a as a bench option for the right wing, or even if, you know, if, if we're going to continue this way, even maybe playing the center forward role a bit more, because he doesn't offer you what you need, a, penetra- a penetrating forward to offer you. And that's what you need from uh, the other forwards besides Gakpo.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's weird with Elliot because I think everyone thinks back up to Mo. But they don't really play the same and we've tried the midfield thing and I think maybe people at the start of the season thought he might have been the issue. He was not the issue, (laughs) Um, but he was still somewhat of an issue in there. But I think just finding him in in the right positions, I think whether whether he starts on the right, the left, the middle or whatever, just get him on the ball in... In behind a runner, and I think that's where we see Elliot as best. Uh, So maybe we just don't need to get bogged down with where he starts, but we just got to put him in the positions on the pitch.
3: And if we think about Harvey today, he creates one of our best chances, and he and you know you're probably going to come to it soon. Yes, next week (laughs) he scores our best chance. So you know he, he. He really... He did not have a bad game at all, either.
2: Um, Oh, no, he was probably up there. One of the better ones, to be fair. If not the best... uh, No, Ibu exists. Although he shouldn't... Yes, Ibu... Maybe maybe he should have got a red card. (laughs) But we can forgive that. Um, Yeah, then my next note is the goal. I mean, Naby somehow got accused of a handball. I don't know why. Um, Two more, then it's a nice, easy pass for more, to be fair, for Elliot. Good finish. What more should have done? That's <laughs> like five minutes earlier. But I mean, I think there's a few people to talk about. Here. We've done more, and Elliot. We'll go through the goal, but then we we have to do every time Naby starts because Twitter debate midfielder Naby versus John Henderson, etc. We'll do it. we'll do Naby in a sec. But no, it is a lovely goal. It's a nice finish, Um and then it just kind of made a damp squid because of the handball crack with VAR. But no, it was a really nice finish from Harvey.
3: What'd you miss when we were able to play from our own end into the other team's goal in like three passes? Like, I really miss that. Yeah. And that was that goal was a reminder of that. It was a gorgeous counterattack. The ball from Naby, a volley into a volley while pressed on his off foot that's played perfectly into Mo's path, is something that is the kind of quality we sorely need from our midfield. Um, as much as you want guys, to, you know, the midfield that's going to be full of industry. We're not going to have that because that's not what, Na- you know, Naby and Tiago. I mean, they are full of industry, but neither one of them are guys you'd consider to be extraordinarily powerful players like uh, Jordan Henderson or Fabinho of, of a few years ago. But they also do come with a trade-off of, of significantly better technical ability. And Naby showed that on quite a few occasions. There were some good bursting runs, but this ball was fantastically played. And, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it 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 was like a a pay to the Liverpool of old, and I wish that it. Yeah, you know, I wish I could see more of it because I think that's our. Uh, if, if we're going to get anything out of the league season or the Champions League, we need more of it.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, I'm going to look at our fictions while I ask you this: because do we play Wolves then Madrid?
3: Uh, Wolves then Everton then Madrid.
2: Okay, so we have breaks. I was going to ask you about midfield rotation, but that's for future podcasters' problem. <laughs> But Naby, he's obviously very de- de- divisive in, in in the fandom and stuff like that. Nobody should be questioning whether he should be starting at the minute. Obviously, the sub performances will come on to. We may even just mention now because it's timely. But he wasn't ten out of ten. He wasn't even nine or eight. He's probably just a seven out of ten. But like he helped Trent more than any midfielder has this season. He did his defensive work. He's part of the goal. He was probably our midfielder trying to do the most because uh, Tiago didn't have the best day, and we didn't really use him all that often. Bastonitch was good, but it's not his job to do that. But it's weird because we obviously got the contrasting reports a couple, maybe a week ago, when I think it was German media said he might be still in contract uh, discussions, and I think it was Jimbo said oh, he'd probably leave on a free or might have been Dom King or someone like that and then Neil Jones said there's still chance of a contract at the minute he's our second best midfielder
3: we have to buy a lot of midfielders in the summer yes at the minute you can make an argument that he's our best midfielder um, Thiago has looked Thiago's been fantastic I'm a huge Tiago Alcatara fan um, he looked sluggish today and I do wonder if the amount of minutes that he's going to have to play or, and has already played as, you know, the only one of our 30 and up midfielders who's, or I've considered fab 30 and up, even though he's playing like, I minion mean, spiritual spiritually, he's 45, <laughs> but, um, he, you know, Tiago I think is showing some signs of being overplayed a little bit, which is why, you know, yes. I, I don't, I don't want to go too deeply into this on this podcast. I'm pretty sure you could agree, but, uh, Mm-hmm. That's why not going into the market makes no sense. Um, yeah. because you're we're, we're going to burn him out, and we're going it, to it's just going to end his career earlier because of the minute loads that he's going to play over the last two seasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Naby has to start every match. Like he he, our best midfield right now is that three. Uh, I do wonder if playing Naby and Tiago can help, and if we're playing that compact can help Fabinho uh, perform slightly better um i'm not optimistic. not not after today's performance he, yeah, he's he's I, having a time
2: out to get up today
3: yeah <laughs> i would say that i want to be optimistic that he can but i'm also um not insane so yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean that that's your best midfield three Nabby Naby is going to be the one who's going to be the most attacking in that three because Tiago is, you know, Thiago is, even though he's not a six, is a very defensively switched on midfielder. Not that We, Naby we, try, we tried him as a 10 and it haunts yeah. me to this day. I don't understand why we did that. I mean, that is the yeah. one thing. If you want to talk about one distinct ta- tactical improvement over the last time we went to Brighton, it was not playing Thiago as a 10. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello. I'm here to annoy you.
3: Oh, like, God. It, it just, it, it's this midfield also just has the, the, I mean, we've talked about the compactness, but it, all, it also does have the most back-to-front balance because Basitic is a good ball-playing defensive midfielder for a kid his age. Thiago, mm-hmm. we obviously know his ability to play on the ball and be press resistant, but he's much more of a middle third midfielder. And Naby is a a middle third who can move into the attacking third midfielder. So you are balanced a bit better with this midfield than you are with any other combination of personnel we have at the moment as well.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think this is probably the best way to answer it because the league, we make it top four. We might, if we go on a run, but I think most people agree, our most important game, Real Madrid. Um, Is it too much to play Basatic against Real Madrid or do you just roll with it because even if our best team was available we might still lose to Real Madrid You might as well just roll with the young lad but as you say it's this going to sound stupid because Fabinho literally had a 0 out of 10 and should have definitely been sent off but we
3: will might as well but he will but he I should have been sent enough. off he absolutely should have been sent off for that it's a terrible yeah. tackle and I really hope that Evan Ferguson's okay and Fabinho immediately knew too he immediately yeah. knew that he had done it like Say what say what you will that that you know he didn't try to walk away from a car that he didn't try to walk away from it there and was you know the faintest of praise again at least he was honest about it but uh, yeah I, I think I think unless you strike some other form of gold in, in the next two weeks you roll this midfielding out against Real Madrid and if they get embarrassed and taunt they get embarrassed and taunt but you know you'd rather I'd rather do that with uh, what I have best and just hope that. Uh, Either Bobby Firmino or Diogo Jota are, are back, and then Virgil Van Dijk is back because I think the, you know at this point that midfield three is actually pretty decent and looks you know looks of the standard to be one of the better three you know units of three in the Premier League. It's the drop off that what happens after those three come off. That's, uh,
2: that's the thing. I think Naby well, can probably play sixty at the at most. He played ninety yeah. in the cup and he looked fine, but that that was the cup.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I also wonder, and I hope that I, I was wrong with this. I did note that Naby at one point in the beginning of the second half grabbed at the back of his leg for a second. He did get up and consistently um, look to be able to move. He did get get up and be able to look around pretty freely, but was subbed off not too far after. So you have to also wonder if like, it's just the type of thing where he's told any possible, uh, you know, you feel literally anything. Tell us, and you're, you're going to come off. Um, even because- even at
2: home, if your leg falls asleep, you you, yeah. you, go, yeah. you you've got to you've got to the medical centre. Yeah. Uh, see- even, even if it is anything, you rest him we're- until we play Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, we're
3: going to we're going to send a we're going to send over two people with a theragun and an ice bath.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. cry or freeze like cante mm-hmm. against us. Um, Oh god, I didn't know it's that. That's sad. Um, but hopefully he's fine. If he needs to he be was, rested, he, he it will. He it was moving next. around.
3: He was moving yeah. around fine after it, was, it, it? It was to be clear from a play where there was contact rather than non-contact. If it was non-contact, oh, I would. Good. I'd be screaming.
2: Yes, well, that's good. That's good. And he survived falling eight foot in the air. So
3: if any, if he was going to get injured, it would have been then. Um, didn't understand else? how that didn't understand how that wasn't carted either. But David Coote is a. Uh, low-key one of the worst referees in world football.
2: He genuinely is and even if we take our Liverpool hat off, Brighton fans yes, he is shit. (laughs) We've known this a while, you know it today. (laughs) Um, uh, My next note is their goal. It's not even worth talking about. There's nothing we could have really done. Obviously, maybe Basetic could have closed down rather than Naby because he was two foot closer. I'm not criticising an 18-year-old for that. It's just bad luck. It was going miles wide. It comes off Lewis Duncan goes in. I saw someone say, Allison should maybe save that. You're drunk. No. No. no.
3: <laughs> no. The, the, I mean, like if you're looking to like hold any sort of anything from Liverpool to account for that goal, it's, you could sit there and, like the, the worst faith you can give it is it's a bad defensive header from Trent. Like, okay, where else is he supposed to head the ball? Like he's going backwards and he's just trying to get it clear. And that we didn't close down the second ball quick enough, which, again, you don't expect a guy to hit the ball, have it wildly deflected from distance and wrong-foot your keeper. So, you know, sometimes sometimes when you're bad, luck also goes against you, and that's what that was.
2: Yeah, it really was. It really was. Um, Elliot has a chance – oh, no, not a chance. I think he has a chance to get a chance. And then he has a first touch so that's really nice – uh, then the second touch just lets t- uh, Lamptey, um get a tackle in. And that's basically the first half before we have to talk about the bad half of football. Justin, anything from the first half you think missed or worth talking about, or any players you think worth talking about from that half?
3: Yeah, no, I, think, I think we've covered all. But again, I think that uh, if you're going to talk about a player who had a tale of two halves, Joe Gomez was quite decent in the first half. And then uh, we can talk about the disaster that happens when you remove all midfield cover from him.
2: Yeah. I think any other centre back other than Van Dyke last couple of years and Ibu Kanate would probably be the same to be fair. Um but yeah, we'll we'll come out of that. My first note is literally Brighton are kind of battering us this half. And that goes that my next note is the substitutes at sixty minutes. So that's not a good start for this half. Um and to be honest, as soon as we go back, my notes are just it's kind of go to shit because I'm just watching the game behind the sofa, basically. Um, yeah, we we started this half poorly. I think they have, did. they bring Veltman on at half time if I remember correctly. Um, they did. They brought him on. Not saying that's the catalyst for change, but whatever Deserby did at halftime, it certainly worked for them. We just could not get the ball out of out of our own half at all. I think they were pressing all our midfielders. The the fullbacks were penned in. And I think Gakpo was seeing Premier League uh, the struggles with the Premier League again, where he was up against Lewis Dunk, who is the probably most prototypical Premier League centre-back going. He's just a, a big man who's really good physical. He's, I'm not saying that that's his main trait, but he's a good defender. But it just seemed we were just pinned in by maybe there's a better prepared team or more confident, better prepared team in that half. It just seemed a real struggle for us.
3: Yeah, it feels like um, a a common recurring theme as of late has been that other teams make adjustments to what we're doing uh, at halftime, and we just think that we can plow ahead with more of the same. Uh, To me, the big problem that occurred was you can only go so long without the ability to to, uh, play in behind someone. When you have yeah. with uh, and they're and they're going to be and, you know, what that allows Brighton to do is continually bring their line closer and closer. If you don't have anything that can threaten them behind you, why why do you have to defend that? Why defend that space? Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's critically what happened there. Now, we're obviously going to get to the subs, but before the substitutions, came, I, I think um, Klopp saw the problem. I think his. Prescription to solving it was uh, was quite poor. Um, Trent was getting roasted by Matoma, but literally everybody gets roasted by Matoma if you give him space. Um, James Milner is is not going to get beaten by him any less, and I guess maybe you know. Yeah, I mean, I said this before the show, so I might as well with this. This felt like Klopp had three subs planned for sixty minutes, and he was going to do them regardless of what the game state was, and he yeah. did not deviate from that plan. That looked like a. Substitution informed by, you know, strict adherence to some sort of either notion of sports science or a plan around managing minutes and not trying to win the match because I would not have taken Nabby or Trent off. I would have just brought Darwin on and used one of my later subs. And, uh, you know, Gags said this in the, the match chat discord, but I, I, I agree with this. I would have at least given it a few minutes with that midfield and Trent there with Darwin there to see how it looked. Because at some point, that's going to be your favorite. At some point, that might be a favorite front three for a match. And you'd like to see if that potentially works and gives you an idea going forward, rather than changing the personnel as to where the tactics you're trying now are are no longer that, right? Or can't be executed with that that personnel. And, you know, obviously, Jordan Henderson and Naby Keita couldn't have two more differing skill sets, which is, I think, why the you know, which is why which is I think actually the valid portion of the Kata Pendo wars that I usually try to avoid. We'll get right into it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um
2: but the thing the thing is, they were I think they were controlling the game, but the it wasn't like we were under bombardment in terms of chances created. I think Matoma obviously trying to roast Trent, which he did a couple times um in, in that heart, I don't think it led to a clear-cut chance at all. Obviously, I think the next one is the other one I've ne- next marched down is Sally so March's chance, which will come on in a sec. I think that's the only chance I've noted down. Um, Has anybody...
3: By the way, I have a question. Has anybody ever referred to Sally March by just the last name, March? Like, No, no? yeah, okay. I'm just trying to figure this out. But, you know, I think... uh Perhaps a fair way to view, or at least how I viewed the first 60 minutes. I don't necessarily know if this is fair or if I'm just watching it from my bias. So if you hear this and you think that I'm wrong, uh, please let me know uh, nicely because I'm, I'm not going to respond if you're a dick. Um, I think for 60 minutes, up, up until the subs, we were – they controlled the match, but we had the better chances. And, you know, if you're going away to a team in cup competition – you'll take that. That That's a pattern of a game that you would take, especially when you're not playing particularly well. But that was yes. just for 60 minutes of a 90-minute game.
2: And to be fair, I think it wasn't... like I think the first half, I mean, they controlled the first um, 20 minutes of the second half, definitely. But the first half, I think it was a bit more back and forward. I think they had probably had more possession. This should be really easy for me to check, but who's asked? Um, but yeah, we definitely had the more chances. Didn't know Danny Welbeck was playing until he got subbed off, etc. Um, But yeah, the first half was something promising. The second half, I agree with you. I think, and if you were going to make a change in midfield, bring Curtis Jones on. I'm not a Curtis Jones fan. I don't see it. But I know what the fuck Jordan Henderson is in 2023. Curtis Jones will help out James Milner more. Um than John Henderson nowadays. So if this big change, and obviously Klopp, every time he drops someone, he always mentions it's a knock or it's an injury or he had something in training, just roll with it. You've made the decision. I don't believe they're injured. Maybe Darwin because he looked really drunk when he came on or he looked fucked or whatever. But John Henderson, come on. Just just don't say anything. Bring on Jones and let's see what these lads can do because... You obviously don't give too much of a toss again about the cup competition.
3: Yeah, he's he's a a thirty two year old footballer who's been the captain of Liverpool Football Club and has been in the crosshairs for an entire section of the fan base for a long time. He can take it, right? He knows. He he yeah. knows, if if he doesn't know how to deal with that criticism by now, he never will, and you're never going to be able to protect him from it anyway. So just say, you know. I understand trying to protect a player's feelings, but sometimes you, you you can do that just by not saying anything. You know, if if nobody's asked you why they're you know, I, I haven't seen the question that was asked that get, that led him to that response the around the injury. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen it, so I don't understand the context. But um, if the question is why Jordan Henderson isn't playing, you, you just make the answer about. Naby, Thiago, and Basit playing well. Don't make yeah, the answer about Jordan Henderson, right? It's it, it's fairly straightforward, and there's a way to protect both Henderson's feelings while, you know, giving the other guys a boost in the press. And and, and yeah. I know that Klopp is a very good man manager, so I know that probably what he's doing behind closed doors, uh, possibly alleviates this. Although I don't know because I'm not there. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's necess- I don't think it's necessary. I don't love you know. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of hanging on the every word, but you know, it. it I, I, th- I think your assessment's pretty spot on. You don't have to say anything.
2: Yeah, and to be fair, the season's kind of shit either way. Even if we scrape top four, it's still a shit season. <laughs> might yeah. as well see what Jones can do. Because yeah, either way, he's either going to end up on the Lord, or he's going to end up on sold or he's going to be. Presumably, if we do stuff in the summer, 6th or 7th choice centre mid.
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan...
3: yeah or you know, the unlikely thing, and i kind of i i mean we could talk about Curtis for a second i yeah. am i'm i'm a little bit more high on you because of mm-hmm. on him than because of the uh the technical ability and mm-hmm. the the overall size and athleticism but he just doesn't really kind of seem to know how to play football, and that's uh that's that's the i think that's the problem it's the it's the footballing instincts at the moment haven't come and uh, I think it's, you know, the, the only way they do come is is more minutes in yes, meaningful absolutely. games. And he just hasn't had enough of them. Um, some of it's unfortunate due to injuries, but some of it, I think, is mismanagement.
2: And I think I think this is a point Dave always makes. The right side midfield position and, well, role, more importantly, is his. It should be his. I don't know why we've turned him into Ginny Wijnaldum, but not as good defensively. Like, let him do stuff that was natural to him four years ago. Let him be a bit more attacking. But as I said, he's more defensively responsible than the older lads. It's just it's yeah. just a bit strange. It's a bit steep, but yeah, as you said, I think it's pre-planned. Get the experienced lads on there. Get the captain, vice-captain on. Um, maybe Trent was pre-planned because he didn't... Well, he didn't look happy when he came off, did he? Maybe he, thought, maybe he just liked Hello. the duel with Mitoma, but he does have... a He has a bit of a resting bitch face, so it might have just been that, but he didn't look happy.
3: He did not look happy at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of get, I, I would kind of get it if he didn't look happy. It's also, again, he's another player who hasn't trained much lately, even though he had a full week in training this week. So to me, it does suggest that, you know, these are just enforced substitutions with a lack of desire to deviate from that particular plan. And to me, that suggests that, maybe that there's not too much uh care or concern about uh there was not too much care or concern about um you know maintaining a run in the FA Cup because if you're trying to win this game you, you go about it in a very different way
2: you absolutely do you absolutely do um to be fair we mentioned the subs i think milner came on and did a couple nice things straight away he obviously created uh the more chance i think that was literally a couple minutes after um I think the defender slides in front of Moore and it puts him off, but I think what Moore does after that is probably the bigger issue rather than connecting with the cross. He kind of rabbit in headlights and he just kicks it at the keeper. Um, Then the 68th minute, I put Milner the penalty question mark. Maybe if we were Man United, but no other football team, I'd probably say would get that, especially with David Coote in charge.
3: I would like to know... When is the last penalty we got in the season? I know we haven't gotten one in the league. Have we gotten one in the uh, Champions League? Because we definitely didn't in the League Cup or FA Cup. So I'm intrigued to understand the last time we got a penalty. Um, it must look, have,
2: I, It would have been Rangers, surely, when we talked yeah, about
3: it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if we got a penalty in that match. I can't remember if we... But the whole point there is... But I, I you, know, you know what it is? It's the... Uh, Milner that's possibly a foul other spots on the pitch. So potentially should be a foul on the box. But we also know that referees referee, the context of where it happens in particular, David Coote, he was never going to give that, but I would be annoyed if that was given against us. Mm. But yeah, I think, you know, the other thing with getting penalties is that you actually have to have the you know, touches in the other team's area to get them. So, uh, you know, we should, we should work on that.
2: Our last penalty was the Rangers' home game, the 2-0. Ooh,
3: that is a long time.
2: And before that, was the Community Shield. <laughs> um, and then it was Fabinho against Watford in April. Oh yes, fun times. Um, so you're the key. You need to get more <laughs> games. Shout out uh, to David okay. Coote. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, God. But we don't deserve penalties nowadays, so we don't touch the bloody ball, as you said. Um, and we don't,
3: make, and we don't make defenders
2: commit to us. <laughs> true, true. I think Darwin should get one because he just, well, not on today's evidence, but in general, he causes that much trouble. He will get penalties. Just play yes. him a bit more, um, and hopefully, he remembers how to play football. Because today was a bit funky. Uh, My next one is the Allison save. We mentioned Ebo, and we'll mention him some more because he does a big block after this. But we can never forget that Allison is a big, beautiful bastard.
3: Yeah, he, he's a he's a tremendous goalkeeper who I feel terribly for because there's only so much he can do, and I feel like goalkeepers take losses probably tougher than anybody else is the last line of defense. Uh, it's it's the loneliest position in the sport, and he's done nothing to like. There, there's nothing he could have done for either of their goals, and he's done very little wrong this season. So I, I do, I do feel for him because it's a good save that he makes, right? Is it, you know, relatively routine for him? Yeah, but he makes the routine, you know, he makes the routine look easy, and he did that again there.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We would be probably about 15th without him. So. He, I think I mentioned it after the mistake against Wolves. He could like put in seven own goals and he'd still be out there in the season. Um, next sub Jones on for Thiago again. Probably you mentioned Thiago getting overplayed. Maybe we could have subbed on subbed off Thiago initially and then swapped it about. But yeah, I think Thiago does. <laughs> if Naby's okay, maybe he's one we can rotate against Wolves. But as we say. We need that midfield to play as much as possible, but we do need to protect the two, two, two eight lads as well because injuries and overplaying is part of the issue there. Um, Eboo o'clock. Now, <laughs> my notes here are Eboo is a babe. Massive block. One minute later, I jinxed him. He should probably be sent off. <laughs> so he played fantastically, but there was a moment there... On another day, he could have been sent off because it was. I thought it was shoulder to shoulder initially, but it did kind of go shoulder to back.
3: Yeah, there's there's a little bit of shoulder to back. It is a a last man situation. Um, I'm shocked that VAR didn't check it, but I guess can I guess can VAR check like I, this? Is where I'm so unclear about the application of VAR. Can VAR check for the denial of a goal-scoring opportunity? Like, I was under the impression that it can. I thought but, it could.
2: But my yeah. commentators said they couldn't check because it wasn't a penalty. But I thought they could check red cards.
3: I thought they could check red cards too. But is it the rule that they can only check, like, uh, foul, you know, you know possible yeah, uh, violent foul play? Did they, get,
2: did they give a foul? Did they give a free kick at all for that? I can't remember. I don't think they did. That might be why, because if they give a foul and he give a yellow card, I think they could upgrade it yeah, because he I didn't don't... give it a foul they can't yeah. upgrade it, which is really stupid, and i don 't understand. how how do you fuck up using a replay
3: I... I don't know how you fuck up using a replay, and look we, we got we got lucky because if Ibu's not um you know granted obviously it's denial of a goal scoring opportunity is a, is a, is a one game suspension instead of a three, but mm-hmm. uh we we, we need Ibu is. Frankly, probably, <laughs> probably he's probably, our, besides Allison, our most critical player at the moment. Yeah, I, and, I would
2: 100% agree with that.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and it, 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 without him against Wolves, um, even though you know Wolves isn't a particularly great side, I, I would not like to see what uh, either Raul Jimenez or uh, Mateus Cunha could, could do against us, because those are two guys who could give Gomez and Matip and a pairing a real handful, even though Jimenez cannot head the ball.
2: Nope, and it probably wouldn't matter because, well, we've seen Matip this season not great, and Gomez is basically a coin flip. But as we did say, Gomez, with a good midfield, was fine. With a bad midfield, yeah. was shit. It'd be yeah. Maybe it'd be the same for Matip, to be fair. Um, where are we up to? I mean, let's talk about Ibu, because we as- we're near the end, and it's obviously going to finish on a negative with us conceding, but let's get a positive in there. I mean, he... He is the next in line for me, and this is all the Liverpool bias. But I am on a Liverpool podcast, so I don't give a shit. He's the next in line for best centre back in the world. I don't give a fuck about your Salibas, your your Arejos, your Cundes. This lad is six foot five, fast as fuck, and the, the thing is, yeah, he's fantastic on the bill. And the thing is, obviously, pace is a massive weapon for him or a recovery tool for him. But he's positionally fantastic as well. It's not like he relies on the pace. He uses it like Matoma's fucking lightning. He'll use it against Matoma. But he's positionally fantastic. He doesn't over-rely on his pace, which we see. Like, let's say Rudiger. I think he relies on his pace. Whereas Ibu, I I just think he's one of the most complete centre-backs at the minute. And if it wasn't for us being a fucking shit show, he'd probably be the best centre-back in the league. But we can't say that because the rest of us are a fucking mess.
3: It's, it's the, you know, I think that people overuse that Maldini, um, if I had to make a tackle, I've done wrong thing, but there, like, I think that people overuse that to gauge center backs, but there is a truth hidden in it, which is, or not even that deeply hidden, which is positioning is everything. And, you know, if you're in the right space and you can read a game well, as a center back, you're going to put out a lot of fires, uh. Constantly, because you're gonna you're you're gonna sniff danger. Ebu has that thing where he can sniff danger. He's constantly proactively defending, and we've seen it our best. Um, you know that we have one guy whose responsibility is to proactively defend, and one guy whose responsibility it is to clean up everything behind. And we have guys who can do one of the two roles, but the thing that makes Van Dyke special, and the thing that's gonna make that, that makes Ebu special, is they can do both. Right. Mm-hmm. You, put, you put them in a pairing with a guy who's going to you know be, you know, C-ball head ball, like Joel Matip. um, The two of them are going to be able to sweep up behind. Um, if you put them in a situation where they need to be the proactive one, they both can do it. Um, that's, I mean, I think it's, I, I think I agree with you. I think he is the heir to the throne of best uh, central defender in the world. If, to be perfectly honest, not already there. Um, because I, I do think that he has shown just when you drop him into a very good team that he he is a ceiling raiser and um, I'm gl- I'm glad we have him but I I, I would just l- I want to keep getting more structure around him so that we don't have to rely on him to do as much as he did today
2: Yes, yeah, so let's give him and Allison a hand shall we um, yeah.
3: uh, My next oh. note uh, Fabinho My okay. sweet, sweet Fabinho
2: Oh, I missed twenty eighteen, Justin. Fucking I did too. God. Pre pandemic. We had midfielders with working limbs. Good lord. Um I mean do you want to talk about Basatic to get a happy be- we'll make it a compliment sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, go, yeah.
3: we'll go shit you know, good shit instead there's a, there's an organis- organizational psychology method that tells you that if you're going to criticize someone's performance you should do so um, by uh, you know providing a compliment to start, get to the criticism in the middle and finish it on a nice note uh, so we'll do that here, I mean Basetic for a second game managed, you know, Chelsea being the first one managed to play pretty well and play intelligently about how he tackled on a yellow which is yes. a skill beyond his years for an 18-year-old central midfielder that it, that it plays in a situation where you're going to have to commit yourself to challenges that's an impressive skill um Pasic is an. I think he's an impressed by satich I think he is an incredible uh young talent and I uh I, I Look, I, again, I look forward to seeing him develop as a Liverpool player, but I also think that it's very unfair on the kid that he is being put into a situation where he needs to play this much uh, mm-hmm. this early in his career. Is we've also seen what overplaying young players does to them.
2: That's the thing. You want to see more of him, but you don't. <laughs> you don't want to have to see more of him at the same time, which is the worry. But no, I think he is the real deal because I think we've had... I don't think full stones, but like Martin, obviously out on loan at Blackburn. I don't see Bassettich going out on loan to Blackburn unless we do sign five midfielders in the in the window in the summer, which we will not do. Um, but it, at eighteen, it's so promising but so worrying at the same time that we have to play him. And the we the reason why it is that we have to play him is this Fabinho cameo. Holy shit! First thing he does is give away the ball. Then we mentioned it already. Should a hundred percent have been sent off? No clue how Coop missed that for one, and whoever the fuck was on VAR must have been on a take to have this finish eleven v eleven. Jesus Christ! Um, but I've always, I've always thought Fabinho will improve once we take out. Henderson, because I do think he's been overworked in terms of covering for Henderson's physical decline. But Jesus fucking Christ, he's not helping me with my argument there.
3: He's not, but I, I still think it's a victim of... I think you're right, but I think there's a bit of victim of circumstance in the game state and situation he's come into. We're under pressure, and... You know, I, I think we I think we all learned a while ago, and I, I think I have to credit uh Stephen Drennan with with pointing this out, you know, via a, a, a Twitter thread on this. Henderson and Fabinho used to be able to play together when Henderson could solve problems with his running. Mm-hmm. Henderson can't solve problems with his running anymore. So what it does is, you're right, it exposes making Fabinho cover more space. And Fabinho, even in his pomp, while he could cover space, he's not the best athlete, his, his, his ability to do things is predicated upon the fact that he's, you know, pretty strong, technically good and Mm -hmm. reads the game well, but there's no level of reading the game. Well, when you're as stretched as we are, where an immobile player is going to um, be able to positively impact the game, they're, they're, they're always going to be put under pressure. And, you know, he's been a parking cone this season. And some of that is the doing of the fact that he can't move, and some of it is just that we've become extremely good at tactically exposing our uh, our older um, central midfielders from uh, movements down our right side. Now, nobody is going to look good when the right side of your team is Jordan Henderson and James Milner.
0: Right.
3: Very true. Yeah, it's just annoying because
2: <laughs> I think after the World Cup, I think he came, I think the Man City game, he came on and he looked alive again. And then I think he may have started the Villa game and looked promising again. And then it's kind of reverted back. Now, I mentioned we obviously have to protect Basatic because he's 18, and you said don't want to overplay him. Maybe we do that thing Klopp does, because we've seen him, someone has a nightmare, we see Lovren against Tottenham, then he played, I think he played the next game, I might be wrong in that, but he certainly wasn't put to one side. Maybe we just give him the Wolves game, because as we say, Wolves aren't the best team, they're obviously improved massively since Lopetegui went in there. Try and get the cobwebs off Fabinho, but for the Lov- don't bring both him and Henderson back in. If you no, might like to bring one back in, I should
3: say. Yeah, I think I think that the Wolves game gives us the perfect opportunity for the for the NFT midfield. Um so, something that you know this is this is where the, the personnel groupings thing comes in for me. Like historic you know, and, and and I don't think that this is gonna ring true this season, other than you know, me just trying to find some obscure reason for hope. But uh Jordan Henderson and Naby have actually always played well together. Um, Fabinho and Thiago have always played well together. But Henderson and Fabinho have, re- uh, you know, they they played well together, obviously, for long stretches. In, time, the, last so. years, I'd,
2: I'd In say, the last couple of years. In the last
3: couple of years, though. Probably since around the 2021 season, the two of them have been... center so yeah. Yeah, have been unable to play well together. And I think it's just... Part of it is finding tactics that suit what we have, but part of it is also finding the personnel groups in midfield where you can create, where, where you do have that, where you do have balance, because that's, that's what's distinctly missing from us right now um, in midfield. With the exception of that, you know, the Tiago by, by Satich, uh, Kada midfield, we, we don't have balanced midfields. And when you don't have balance in midfield and you don't have any ability to run in behind, you, uh, you set yourself up for the for things like the last thirty minutes of this game. Uh, so I don't I don't know if this flashed on the UK broadcast, but on the uh, ESPN broadcast here in the states, one of the things that they did show was um, passes by players in the final third, and it was all Brighton players, and they had to clarify that they had to clarify with the graphic that. This isn't just you know passes into the front final third by Brighton players. This is through all <laughs> players in the match. So oh, I gosh. think that tells you everything. I think and, and so much of that came in the last thirty minutes. And I think it tells mm-hmm. you everything you need to know about how diabolical we were after those subs. Yeah,
2: and sadly, we'll do this quickly because we mentioned Matoma. It's a filthy. It, it's a shit goal from us. But I can't blame.
3: Joe Gomez for getting done by that Matoma touch. It's a oh, phenomenal bit of skill. It's gorgeous. The, everything that happens after Matoma touches the ball, I kind of don't want to fault any of our players for. I think it's more that you have Joe Gomez and Darwin Nunez on the back post in a set piece, and the, you know, Matoma's not a huge guy that he's getting, that he's ending up with the ball when it's played in airily at the back post, that's the problem. It's the, it's, it's Perfect. the first, it's the first ball, the second ball there. Yeah. I mean, there, the problem is there is no second ball. It's the first ball's getting through. And you know, if you're, if you're getting beat by a, a ball into the back post in the set piece, that's just, that's, it's, it's, that's bad. Uh, it's bad execution and it's bad coaching.
2: It is, it is. But, I don't even know what to name this podcast. <laughs> no replay, yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um basically it. But no, I think we'll finish up there because we've went over an hour and we, <sighs> there, were, there was posi- positives in the context of our season so far being that bad. And, and we don't have to play Brighton anymore, <laughs> which is the main positive. But we'll finish up there, Justin. A- any pods planned from you?
3: Um, no, nothing coming anytime soon, um, because I think the actually, the, you know, I, I I think, I think that, uh, the Liverpool, uh, podcasts at the moment are kind of just a bit of talk therapy. So, uh, I'll probably, I'll be on NKS oh, no. at some point. Yeah. I'll probably <laughs> be on NKS at some point in the, in the, down the rest of the season. I was hoping to maybe do another FA Cup pod with you, but, um, we are out of said competition.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah
2: Boma. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Uh, well, at least it's less for me to do. Um, but no, that is it for for me and Justin. I I don't know when I'll be back as a host. I, this is my one gig, ladies and gentlemen. It's gone away. Um, but yes, uh, thank you everyone for listening. The uh, Premier League will be back next weekend and I will be away then, so I get a little break from Liverpool. Whoopee. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye.